Hello, this is Rabbi Mark Soloway. Welcome to A Dash of Drush, weekly reflections on our world through the lens of Torah. Well, I'm here in Krakow, in Poland, after a very intense, in all kinds of ways, few days, and I'm here with my good friend Rabbi Greg Alexander from Cape Town. Fantastic to be here. It's great to be here with you and share this experience. We were the team of Riding Rabbi's Return on a bike ride, a 60-mile bike ride from Birkenau, Auschwitz, to, to Krakow. But Rabbi Mark, what is the Riding Rabbi's well, Return? <laughs> why the return? But first to say we, would, we did this, we, we created this team name Riding Rabbi's Return because uh, Rabbi Greg and Rabbi Mark have known each other. We've known each other a long time. How long have we known each other? Well, it was, we met each other when we were interviewing for rabbinical school. Um, so that must have been around about 98, 97, 98, that kind of time. So that's a good chunk of time. I don't know, I can't even do the maths <laughs> to work out for those 25 years or something that's, like that. That's more than 25 years. But uh, I think that initially we, we met because, um, or we connected, let's say, because I think that we're very different people, but we have very similar aims, which is to make um, meaning where there isn't always and to use the tools that Judaism gives us to inspire uh, people in communities to be stronger and more courageous and more open-hearted. Wow, is that what we do? That's what we do. Okay, <laughs> it's good to know because sometimes I forget what it is I do. <laughs> but we, the bike thing is interesting because we, we've, we've ridden bikes in a lot of different places. Mm. Yeah. Um, and so the Riding Rabbi's Return, I guess, started when we were, we were rabbinic students for, for a couple of years together at Leobet College in London. Yeah, and this was London in the, in the late 90s. It wasn't so set up for bike riding. Uh, I don't know if it is yet, but maybe it's on the way too. But um, we, were, we were kind of the, 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 two, the two rabbis on bikes who were, or student rabbis, wherever we went, we, we biked there. We didn't use uh, other transport. And it doesn't matter what the weather. And wherever we stopped, uh, maybe it was for a class, but sometimes it was, we were just studying. We would, uh, we would stop at a cafe or a pub and uh, break out our, our, our sperm and uh, put them on the table and just start studying. We, we created uh, Batei Midrash houses of study wherever we went. Yeah, including I remember us one time in the middle of sort of busy student rabbi days thinking like we're going to go and see a movie and we, we said no, that's also Torah because we're going to allow this movie to become part mm. of our Torah and so I remember us biking mm. Uh, I think it was on Tottenham Court Road in London. We rode from <laughs> Finchley to Tottenham Court Road to a, a cinema. Anyway, so that was the London piece of it. And then, then we, moved we, to would, Israel. we moved to Israel. We were in Israel for a couple of years together. Yeah, and we biked everywhere around Jerusalem. And Jerusalem's probably even scarier place to ride bikes than London, right? Although, having said that, that was the time of the bus bombings. And I actually think, Mark, we were, we were safer on the bikes than we would have been on buses. Oh, that's a thought, mm. yes. No, I'm sure statistically that is that is true. Mm. But uh, there were a lot of hills. <laughs> yeah. and, and I just remember that suddenly the bike that I had, it was a not a good bike at all. <laughs> and the gears kept creaking and it's not we made it up the hills. It's no. about the legs. Yes. <laughs> 
but again we, we we sort of cycled from our apartment in in uh, in Rehavia to the conservative yeshiva where we were studying together and and I remember riding around uh, dressed crazily on Purim and Purim. riding on bikes giving out stuff and Purim in Jerusalem yeah. so yeah and so now I don't think I mean although as well as London and Jerusalem we've also spent a bit of time together in New York and a bit of time together in Budapest and a bit of time together in Cape Town those are the places that I associate with you and a little bit of time when you came to Colorado but I don't remember being on bikes in those places with you yeah so the, the, this is one of the challenges of being so far apart I mean you're in you're in Boulder Colorado I'm in Cape Town South Africa and you know, we've got all of this uh, this history, but at least when we, we do find ways to come together, it's always, I find anyway, uh, an opportunity for for meaningful connection. And um, we've always been about studying in a, in, a, in a challenging way, challenging each other with Torah, trying to bring Torah to the people around us, uh, the Mark and Greg effect, um, but also the Lilmud and the Lasot, we also try and, and do something that's meaningful. Lilamed, Lilamod, Lilmud, Lasot, to learn, yeah. to teach, and to do, to yeah. be active. We're quite, we're both quite active in, in, in different ways. We like being in our, in our sort of embodied Judaism. And so we just sort of, um, it was really Greg who initiated it. Greg contacted me one day and said, let's find something this year <laughs> to do that we can connect somewhere in the world and do something together. Um, that'll, and we thought about the different kind of rabbinic conferences and this and that. Um, we came to this idea of joining the Ride for the Living. And the Ride for the Living is something that's organized by the JCC, the Jewish Community Center of Krakow, which is all about renewal of Jewish life in Krakow after the horrors of the Holocaust. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing program. Yeah. I think it's the eighth year this year that they've run it. And um, the germination of it came from a ride that a, a, a British teenager Germination is an unfortunate term, yeah, isn't it? Because obviously not. it means planting a seed, but mm. when you think about the, the mm. role that the Nazis... But anyway, but sorry. No, but yeah, I, I feel like every every word has different meaning when, you, when you're here in Poland, but... So this, uh, this teenager rode uh, from London to... Um, uh, to Auschwitz and um, and got into a conversation with the director of the JCC in Krakow and out of that came the idea um, that from a place of death um, which is Auschwitz and we'll talk about that in a moment to to this place of life and rebirth and renaissance where Jews are doing Jewish things in the center of Krakow and so it was also um the extraordinary story, and we got to really see this on Saturday night when we got to see a, a preview of a film that's 95% finished called For the Living, which tells a story, but it also, I won't give too many spoilers away, but it talks about a lot of different genocides and about the, the desperate need for empathy rather than dehumanization and brutality. But the, this guy, Robert, who really partnered with Jonathan Ornstein, the CEO of the Krakow JCC for this ride. He developed this incredibly beautiful relationship with um, a Holocaust survivor called Marcel, who as a 10-year-old boy was liberated from Auschwitz and he walked the 60 miles from Birkenau to Krakow. And so in a way, the ride is in his footsteps. 
Of course, we're riding with, uh, you know, bicycles, with food, with support crews, with mechanics. We've got stops along the way. So with many snacks. snacks. <laughs> Lots of snacks. And, and yet you're, you're aware the whole time of what it would have been for this, after such indescribable suffering in the camp, to then be liberated from the camp and then what? So he had made the commitment to his family that he would meet them in his apartment in Krakow. And so what's a 10-year-old kid to do? He wants to, he wants to meet his family, so he walks. And along the way, uh, he just has to survive. And, and there's people that are supportive and there's people who are not. And he's got nothing and he doesn't even know what he'll find in Krakow. But he does. He, he walks those 100 kilometers um, over whatever period of time. We did it in, well, a few hours. And... Um, so there was this parallel of us following his footsteps, but also just knowing how different it was for us than it must have been for him. And, and he was there, Mark. And, there were, and he wrote, there were two Holocaust survivors, Bernard and Marcel. Bernard is 94. Amazing. And Marcel is, he's still in his 80s, I believe. But, yeah. And they were both riding on tandem bikes. We also got to celebrate um, Marcel's 60-something anniversary. 67th, I think, in the Yeah, amazing. So it's extraordinary. So there were 209 riders. Um, it was 60-mile ride. Bits of it were difficult, but it wasn't, it wasn't really about the race or the com- competition. Greg and I, as the riding rabbis, didn't find the riding that, that, that challenging, um, physically at least. Some of it was challenging emotionally for different reasons. Hmm. But um, it was a very well-supported ride. Um, it was be- surprisingly beautiful. Some of it is just on these gorgeous bike paths through the Polish countryside. And you see by these, rivers and lakes. Yeah, and gorgeous. And, and you see these villages and towns that you're passing and you wonder what it must have been like in the, uh, you know, a hundred years ago where, where some of these villages would have been half Jewish, some of them would have been majority Jewish. Uh, you know, our ancestors would have been living their lives in Poland and, and here we are riding through that same countryside. And I was really struck by the fact because I remember in my close connection to Irene Rosenschein who survived Auschwitz when she was talking about the horrific train journey on a cattle, in a cattle car from Hungary to Birkenau and she described the experience of passing through Polish countryside and seeing Polish people in the fields kind of holding their, you know, their fingers against their neck implying you're going to your death kind of thing in this very sinister and revolting way. And when we were going through it, it's like, apart from, I think, one person who was kind of irritated by us, but probably not. Probably because we were were in his way. way, But we passed, you know, probably hundreds of people, people on their balconies, people in their driveways, people like lining the roads, kids holding balloons and everyone like waving and and it felt really powerful to have this group of 209 people, primarily they're not exclusively Jewish, riding from Auschwitz to, to, to Krakow, feeling the support of the local Polish people, which is part of the story in a way, because it's very easy to create a narrative that says that all Poles are evil, all Poles are anti-Semites and of course there was lots of Polish complicity in the Holocaust but there were also some really good Poles then and there are now and there are also a lot of Poles who were involved in the JCC community in Krakow who are actually 
discovering that they have Jewish roots and they're wanting to explore their Jewish identity more. So there's a whole complex slew of things that go on during this ride. Yeah, I think what, what was powerful, there were so many things that were powerful, but what was powerful for me was being there. You, you know, you can read these stories, you can, you can hear about it, but to be in Auschwitz is very, to, to walk those footsteps, to, to go into the barracks, to, to see the gas chambers. Um, is different to any you know movie or, or book that you've read or, or even testimony that you've heard, and likewise to to meet these uh, these young Polish people who are thirsty to know what Judaism is about and who are connecting with the rabbis here who are amazing you know these the dedication that these rabbis have to re rebirthing Jewish life in Poland is remarkable. And complex. Yeah, I think we were two of six rabbis who were on the on the ride, um, so we weren't the only riding rabbis. But one of the rabbis actually included uh, the chief rabbi of of Poland, very interesting character, Rabbi Michael Schuldrick, mm. and his kind of deputy, Rabbi Avi, um, who sort of represents him in lots of different ways and has become the sort of spokesperson of the of the Krakow Jewish community in a way. So yeah, it was it was very interesting. I think one of the things when you mentioned like being there, and it's my second time in Auschwitz Birkenau, your first. And I think when you go to Birkenau especially, otherwise known mm. as Auschwitz too, it's just the the scale of it, which you can't really see in photographs, as you said. The scale of it is just unbelievable. Mm. I think at its height there were 80,000 people like in the barracks and then of course 80% yeah. of the people who arrived there on the transports especially towards the end of the war just went straight to the gas chambers and the crematoria. I mean as, as so, so many people said the numbers you, you can't you can't conceptualize the numbers you, you can't conceptualize six million you can't you can't imagine what it's like to have this this death factory where people are just being crammed into these gas chambers and then their bodies burnt but when you walk the steps and you think of a person or you you, you step into a barracks and you look at a bunk and you think of the the nine people that were squished into that bed in the freezing cold or in the the heat of, of summer with no food no each moment that you imagine what it must be like to be a person, not six million people, but to be a person, that's when it is most powerful. Yeah. And the, the, the cold and hunger, there was a very powerful piece Michael Berenbaum spoke about in the, in the film that we were privileged to, to see the screening on Saturday night, where he talked about that when we think about being cold, we think about going out and forgetting to bring a sweater. And when we think about being hungry, we think we haven't yet had breakfast. But he said, he said the Jews during the Holocaust were, were cold from October until May, and they were hungry from 1941 until 1945, which was just such a, we don't know what it is to be cold and what it is to be hungry. And when you yeah. see the, the conditions that those people were kept, oh, yeah. perfect. So, so the question is, what, what do you do with this? You know, so much has been done with the, the, the show, with the Holocaust, in terms of education, um, recording the testimony of survivors. And, and here we were doing something that I would have never imagined. You know, when Mark suggested 
a, a bike ride from Auschwitz. To me, it, it didn't, I, it seemed strange. The concept, the idea seemed strange. And, and probably even until we did it, it still felt like it was something strange. And yet that, that idea of riding from a place of death, from a place of killing, from a place of evil, um, to, with, with these beautiful and amazing people who had gathered to do this ride and to, to raise funds, not just for the um, JCC, but also the JCC does amazing work with um, refugees from Ukraine. Um, 200,000, 230,000. Amazing. They've really been... 98% of whom are not Jewish. They've really been one of the, the main um, helpers. Uh, well, Poland's been quite amazing in, in absorbing... I think it was more than a... Uh, what was the number? 10 million? Something huge. Something huge. Huge, huge amount of, uh, of refugees. But the, the JCC has really been there doing, doing that work. And a lot of people who were on the ride were people who just wanted to do something there. They'd heard about the news about Ukraine and they were like, what can we do? And here's a Jewish organization in Krakow that is doing that work. You know, even when we were there, there were people queuing up to get their food parcels. Um, they're running programs and like Mark said, some of them are Jewish, some of these Ukrainians are Jewish and some of these Poles have Jewish roots but a lot of people are just people trying to do the right thing and to help out and, um, and they are, it's amazing. It is amazing and the other thing that's amazing is that the, the ride is deliberately timed to coincide with the Jewish cultural festival in Krakow which finished on Saturday night. The ride was on Friday, so we got to experience some of that too. And that, that festival, interestingly, is called Ruach. Mm. And let's just paint the picture of that concert, Mark, because, you know... Well, wait, before we do, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to just sort of talk about Shabbat going mm. into that concert, because we, we ended the ride on Friday about six o'clock, well, exactly six o'clock. The timing was ridiculous. Pretty tight. We finished exactly at six o'clock and there were lots of cold beers to kind of celebrate the achievement of doing the ride and it really did feel like a party atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And then we had, you know, not much time to get ready for Shabbat. We went to a service, then we went to a, a Shabbat dinner, which was actually part of Ruach. It was part of the, the, the Jewish festival. We didn't, I think, know that. I didn't know that. I thought we were having a nice Shabbat dinner for the riders. But it turns out we went to a Shabbat dinner where there were seven hundred people having Shabbat dinner together. And it was amazing. I mean, this massive room full of people and you look around and you've got the riders. The chief rabbis there. You've, you've got these riders who have just, I mean, half of us were, were trying to stay awake at that point because we got up at 5 a.m. And, and then ridden these hundred kilometers. But So you've got these, uh, these riders and, and their uh, family and friends and then you've got um, Groups from uh, Hillel uh, and you know, uh, I guess groups who are who are there for the a summer program or a tour, and then you've got all of these poles who are connecting with Judaism in some way. Some of them because they've got Jewish ancestry. Some of them because um, they're they're doing, well, I guess, the right thing. You know, Mark and I happened to find out um, that uh, on Sunday there was a ceremony honoring. Um, Poles who are righteous Gentiles who have been involved after the Holocaust. So, so uh, people know about the righteous Gentiles during the war who did um, unspeakable acts of bravery and courage, who are honored at Yad Vashem and, and other places. But this was a ceremony honoring people who today are, for example, um, cleaning a cemetery or doing 
Jewish education in a school or teaching a course in a university, there are Christian Poles who, because of what has happened, they feel that, or they are called to do something to uh, honor uh, those who died and to continue the memory of the Shabbat. Mm. Yeah, very powerful. So we had this Shabbat, this amazing Friday night, as Greg said, we were very tired, then we I don't know what time it was we got to bed, but we got up and went to a very historic synagogue of the Ramah, the Ramu, as they call him here, who was a Moshe Isalis, a very famous rabbi here in, in Krakow. Um, not going to go into too much about the experience of that, of that but then we, had, we went to a, a lunch and learn back at the JCC. And again, it's these, primarily these young Poles who are either... Jewish or not Jewish or discovering that Judaism, whatever it is, learning Torah for an hour with Rabbi Avi and then we had a Shabbat lunch and then we had a long Shabbat sleep. But then coming out of Shabbat, we not only got to see this incredible film, but then we went to a reception in this place called Sababa, which we had a sort of cocktail reception overlooking the, the main square in Kazimierz, which is the Jewish quarter of Krakow, where there is this Jewish cultural festival started by a non-Jewish mm. Pole who loves Jews and loves Judaism and mm. loves Jewish culture. And I don't know, 20,000 people or something come in for this festival. Yeah, and the festival has a very program. There are lectures, there are art exhibitions, there's dance and movement, whatever it is. Um, but it all climaxes uh, that evening in that square, just packed with people. You're looking around at these buildings um, that once upon a time would have been, you know, uh, mostly Jewish people living in them. And uh, there's this massive stage and lighting up in front of you. There's a, a Piot band from Israel. There's a, a Klezmer band from Brooklyn. And people are dancing and there's Hasidim and there's Poles and... Uh, people just partying and throwing their, their hands in the air, loving Klezmer uh, music. It was, an ama- it was an amazing scene. Mm. And for these kind of tired bodies, there was something <laughs> so so wonderful about being in that in the throngs of that and just sort of dancing and, and, and hearing the music and seeing, seeing all, these, all these sort of happy revelers. And yeah. I, I think that's not the end of the story, but it's... It's part of the, you know, Jonathan Ornstein, the CEO of the, of the Krakow JCC, he has this line that I keep coming back to where he said, it's no longer Auschwitz period, but Auschwitz comma, because it's not, Auschwitz was not the end of Eastern European or European Jewry. And now there's this sort of renaissance, I don't like the word renaissance, but this renewal of Jewish life in, in Krakow. And I, I, I don't think it's straightforward. It's complex. We're going to draw this conversation to a close, but but I'm left with a lot of complex feelings. What about you? Definitely. Well, I think following on that, I think the idea of, um, and I felt it that Saturday night at the concert, my legs were tired, I was tired, and, and yet the energy seeped into me and it made me want to dance. And I feel like, Mark, when, when we see each other, you know, we don't see each other that often. The last time we saw each other was four years ago. There's a bracha that one says when friends haven't seen each other for more than a year, which is maybe surprising. It's the bracha mechayeha metim. God is the one who gives life to the dead. And um, you would say, well, what died? But <clears throat> when you don't see each other on, on a day-to-day basis, 
um, there is uh, there is something that that dies that that ability to see each other um, and when you say the bracha you are acknowledging that rebirth of your relationship and and so much of what I've experienced over these last couple of days is exactly that. It's mechayeh um, ha-meitim. It's those who, who died in the Shoah, who are the meitim that we are trying to honor and give life to their memory. Um, it's the, the Jewish cultural life in Poland that we're seeing is, is literally a mechayeh here. Um, and it's uh, every person that comes here that is touched and moved by what's going on here and you see it in their faces and their stories and their responses, there is a Mechaya that's happening here. So it's happened between you and I, and, and we've seen it happen um, all around us. Very powerful. Beautiful. Mechaya Meitim, who brings back the dead. Rabbi Pinchas of Koretz says it's the, the angels that are created through friendship that, that die when the friends aren't together, but comes back to life when they, when they re, reunite. So indeed, we have brought back that angel of friendship to life. But I agree, this whole experience has been a, a sort of mirror of that concept. And so, to be continued, maybe we'll make another another podcast together before before our trip ends. We're going to be heading out and having adventures in the old old city of Krakow. There's there's so much to to do and hear and learn and experience here but it's been a very very full few days very grateful to have shared it with you greg and to, mm. to see you again mm. and uh let's let's bring back bring back life wherever we can and restore restore the dead and may the memories of those whose lives that perished in such brutal ways always be for a bracha for a blessing amen thank you greg thank you mark Thank you for listening to A Dash of Drush. We will see you next time.